Brock. Welcome to the DDD podcast. This is uh, your host, Sam Taggart, and we've got Brock Painter, who's the founder of Neuromastery, which is kind of cool, former door-to-door guy. And uh, he got into the door-to-door space, but then realized there's a big hole of you know coaching in the sense of people not understanding how to hit all equities of their brain, their body, their spirit. So what's cool is like, Brock actually is not just about understanding psychology. You've got your master's or what'd you get in psychology? You studied psychology, right? Yeah. So I have my bachelor's of psychology. um, And then I went and got accredited through a health and wellness program called Hippocrates. Um, And then I also got accredited by the IPCNM. But a lot of where what I learned that brought me the most value was um, I studied with some of the top neuroscientists that basically taught me a lot of the principles of how the brain works and how we can influence it in a very systematic way. That's cool. Um, and so it's fun. Like we're going to talk nerdy for a minute. So everybody listening, we're going to talk about the brain. We're going to talk about what parts of the brain create, what responses and how to go deconstruct and reconstruct things. So if you're listening, that's what we're going into, which I'm excited about because it's a very interesting element because it's like, if you can't get your thoughts right, you can't get your actions right. If you can't get your actions right, you're not going to get the results that you're looking for. And a lot of times we're the ones in our own ways. And, you know, so before we dive into this, guys, we've got our, you know, summits coming up, recruiting at the end of the the 21st and 23rd of September. You got door-to-door con coming around the corner, January 25th through the 27th. Um, So if you guys are listening to this, I hope you guys come to one of our live events and don't just be a spectator and listener. We hope that you guys are getting more value than just the podcast, but like we're going to drop some fire nuggets right now and uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Excited? I'm here for it. So what got you into door-to-door? How'd that start? So my brother, um, Cole, ran a team, came home from a mission. He was like, come out and sell with me. And I was ready to take on a challenge and try to make some money. Um, And so honestly, that's what got me into it. And I wanted time to explore my passions and figure out what I wanted to do. And so door-to-door was a great opportunity for me to do that. Just gave me a lot of freedom on the off-season. Love that. Love that. So you did that for a few years. Um, You also train, you you know, you're, you're, you're not just like, you're doing a hundred mile race is what you're training for right now? Yeah. Yep. Have you done one before? So I've done a 50 miler before through the Grand Canyon. This will be my first hundred miler in October. Wow. You excited for that? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good. It's, it's a little bit nerve wracking. I don't know if the excitement's hit me yet, but it's coming and it's coming along good. My training's been good and so I'm feeling confident in it, but yeah, it's, it's nerve wracking. <laughs> it's a lot of training that goes into do a hundred mile race. Like yeah. a, like a marathon is a training day. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's like crazy to me. Like I've obviously done a marathon, but like hundred miles, like I can't even fathom that. At that point, it's just like straight grit. Um, but also doing strength. So what's cool is you're not just doing endurance; you're also trying to do some strength training alongside of that, which is hard to couple the two. What's your philosophy there? Yeah. So. Um, as a part of my program, we preach the hybrid build, which is a run lifting combo. And so right now with the hundred miler, obviously I'm a lot heavier on the run side than I am on the lifting side, but overall through the span of the year, I've taken on multiple challenges, trying to make sure that I am living that hybrid build because there is a ton of benefits when it comes to longevity of life and not just longevity, but what they call it is all cause mortality. All cause mortality. So what that means is I'm not trying to live longer. I'm trying to live better. 
Mm-hmm. And so it decreases my chance of death at any given point in time. And running this hybrid build decreases that chance of death by 60%. So I'm decreasing a lot of the things that could kill me, which is like heart disease, which diabetes, you know, a lot of those things that are killing most people today. And so the hybrid build decreases that by 60%. So this year, um, part of what I've decided to take on is I did a CrossFit competition in January. Um, and then I did a marathon, which tried to qualify for Boston. And I was doing the run lift combo there about hour of lifting, hour of running. And then now it's about 40, 30 minutes of lifting with two to three hours of running. Dude, that's crazy. So, <laughs> so after a hundred, like, is this, I mean, that's not a sustainable thing. Or do you want to continue to keep doing 100-mile races? Or is it like, this is a checkbox, but cardio is definitely an important thing in your exercise? Yeah, so it's a mix. I mean, I'm definitely, it's a checkbox, but that doesn't mean that I might not come back for more. Um, because part of the reason I want to do this 100-mile race is because I was listening to this book of this guy who was running a 100-mile race. And he was actually running with Matt Damon. And because Matt Damon was going to narrate the the adventure that he was going to go on. And Matt Damon's like, I could only run 12 miles and then I stop. How can you run so far? And he says, he goes, it's not that your body stops, it's your relationship with pain. And so part of that is why I'll probably continue doing it because as I transform my relationship with pain, I'll be able to relate more with the people that I work with and continue growing. Love that. Love that. So you're into this biohacking thing. What are some other biohacks that top performers want to maybe embody or haven't thought about in this concept. So yeah, let's start with the body. Like obviously we're going to talk about different, you know, elements of our life and human existence. I I wrote a book, The Self-Experience, and it's like you experience your physical form, you experience your your psychological form in the in the in the brain and then you experience your heart and your soul, right? Like so I love your kind of holistic approach to that as we, you know, kind of jammed offline on that. So Let's start with the body. Like, what are the hacks that we're missing that a lot of people maybe are oversight or they're not playing to that can increase performance? So when it comes to the body, one of the biggest things that I've seen be able to change performance is emotional resilience. Because a lot of times we like to blame ourselves. We like to blame our discipline. We like to blame our area or even just how we were up, brought up. And that usually is one of the biggest things that holds us back because it's not as much your discipline, yourself, or all of these different aspects. Really what it comes down to is we set these standards and emotional home to ourselves, and our emotions are always going to bring us back to center. So we have these emotional homes and we're always going to go back to that place. Imagine Ed Milet does a really good representation with thermostat. So say we're all set at 72 degrees. If we're hot and we're having a really good time, we're getting a ton of results that heater, that cooler is going to kick back on and bring us right back to 72, even if we're doing good. Um, and it's the same thing when things are cold. If things are bad, that heater is going to kick on and it's going to bring us back up to 72 degrees. And a lot of times that can be in our benefit. And so when you're looking at the body and you're looking at the emotions, you're trying to build resilience. And what I'm talking about with resilience is adaptability. Because a lot of times we won't start certain projects or we won't go out and take on certain challenges because of the fear of failure and we'd rather not do the project or the opportunity or the challenge in the beginning just for the fear of failure which is where the most growth and freedom is created and it's because of that emotional home that is always bringing us back to where we believe we belong 
what got you curious about that? Like what moment in your life or experiences you had playing with that game? Yeah. So it's a deep question. Um, I, I honestly didn't think we were going to go to this place, but it's the feeling of being alone. I know what it feels like to feel alone and to feel like nobody cares about me and, and that nobody is there, you know, that I got to handle this by myself. I remember, so back in high school, I had about 12 concussions. I was having bloody noses, headaches. Um, I was passing out randomly. And was this from football? Or yeah, this yeah. was from football. Loved football. Consumed my whole life. I have a very addictive behavior. So, you know, I was, that, that was everything to me. And then all of a sudden, from one day to the next, that was gone. So um, I go to the doctors. Doctors give me medication. Say, hey, this is what's going to help you. And it did help. But the second I got off it, I was back to my own devices. Okay, so, you know, then I figured out that there must be a better way. But I still had lost a lot of my friends. I still had lost a lot of like what gave me purpose in my life was because it was all revolved around football. And so I was alone a lot. And I remember there was this night where I was laying on the floor and, you know, obviously feeling bad for myself, hoping somebody was going to come help me and tell me what to do, how I could create this life and be someone great. Right. And I realized that that moment wasn't ever going to come, that I needed to be that for myself. And when I had that moment, um, I became obsessed with the mind and the body and how I could be my own hero and how I could create this life that I was proud of. And so from there, I became obsessed with everything that I could learn about how I could better myself and better my outcomes and help my body function at a high level so I could be an optimal performer. Love that. Love that. So... What could I do? So let's say I'm a sales rep. I'm a CEO. I'm a high, just running and gunning. I'm, I'm sun up to sundown. I'm obsessed. I'm working my ass off. What are some key little hacks that I could do to make sure that I'm not leaving out the physical element of life to keep me in a peak performance? Yeah. So when you're talking about physical, are you more talking about exercise? Yeah. Okay. Or just like the key bio. It could be nutrition. It could be exercise. Like what's some low-hanging fruit that you're like, and why is that? You, you kind of talk to the why, but like what are some action items we could all implement? Yeah. Well, let's talk to the top performers, okay? Yeah, yeah. So these are you guys out there grinding. They're not the ones that you're having a hard time getting out there. Yeah, yeah. These are talk I'm talking about the guys that actually work sun up to sundown. There's like the lazy few. If you're listening to this, great. Your job is just to get your ass out of the couch. Like, So the biggest advice that I would give, if I were to go back to myself when I was selling and realize, understand this principle that it would have made a difference for me, um, is don't think that working hard is enough. Because honestly, everybody out there is working hard. Showing up is not enough to get you the sales and the life and the mentality that is actually going to create consistency and big results in your life. Um, it's what you do in your home. It's how you're sleeping. It's how good you're sleeping. It's not just how long you're sleeping getting eight hours. It's making sure that you're hitting all your cycles and preparing for that. It's what you do when you wake up. And how you're sharpening your sword. So my sleep eight just came in yesterday. So uh -huh. I'm setting that up tonight. It's like the heating and cooling thing. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. So I'm, I'm testing out it's that huge. concept of sleep and tracking and cooling. and Yeah, yeah cooling down the bed. That's huge though. Because honestly, I, I was listening to this um, video, Matt Frazier, and he said one of the, one of the advice, he, he, his mentality was always hard work pays off. I outwork everybody. But the fact of the matter is when someone came up to him and they said, look, like everybody's working out till they black out. 
everybody's doing these hard workouts. They're doing multiple workouts a day. You're not outworking them. And the fact of the matter is when it comes to door-to-door sales, it's the same mentality. And it's what you're doing when you're home and you, when, how you approach a workout, what you're eating, because that's going to affect how well your brain is able to function, how well your body repairs, and how long you're going to last in this industry. Because, I mean, I think we can all agree one of the biggest things that affects companies is burnout. And guys not being able to make it, even if they're performing, they don't want to stay there. And that's because they're not building sustainability with their life at home. Even if it's for the short hours in the morning where you're waking up, you're getting in a good workout, you are showing up, reading books, educating yourself and making sure you hit the four pillars to a healthy person, your um, physical, emotional, spiritual, and your mental. Love that. So let's shift gears to the mental, which I think is kind of an interesting concept so in sales let's just apply it to a sales conversation what are some key common triggers that happen in the brain when dealing with rejection or dealing with objections and things like that what's going on in the actual like customer's brain our brain that we maybe aren't aware of as we deal with the sales conversation and the rejections and objections that come through it yeah that's a great question so when you're dealing with rejection and you take it personally, the first thing that you're going to do is you go into your limbic system, okay? So the limbic system is this fight or flight response that we all know, okay? So you have a sympathetic response, you have your parasympathetic response. That sympathetic is what you know as that freeze, flight, or fight. And then the parasympathetic response is where you're going to be able to calm yourself down, handle the conversation, and think your way through it and still be able to problem solve. Now, I want to highlight there that that doesn't mean that the fear is gone in a parasympathetic response or the anxiety disappears. The biggest difference is you're able to stay in a rational brain so you don't, all your blood doesn't flow to the limbic system. It's able to stay in your prefrontal cortex so you can rationally think your way through a problem. So part of what happens is when we're faced with rejection, a lot of times we're taught that that's a bad and uncomfortable thing. And when we're taught bad and uncomfortable, that means leave. So our natural response is avoidance. Stay away from this person. They're not going to have my best interest. They're not going to buy anyways. There's no point in even trying. And so we naturally want to retract inside of ourselves. And then we want to blame them for not wanting it or the area or whatever it is because we got to justify why we made the decision that we did to get off the door or to move on. Um, And so when you're in that, that's that's your brain's first response, right? Freeze. Flight if it can, and fight if it must. And that's its basically chain of command. And so when you're looking at the brain, that's its first response is it's going to go there. But if you can learn to calm it down and get it into a parasympathetic response, you're still going to feel scared, still going to feel anxious. That doesn't change. But you're going to be able to rationally think and actually problem solve to create a better outcome for yourself. Literally had this conversation with one of my sales guys today. I'm running the sales meeting which isn't common. And we go through objections. He goes through and says what he would like. I was like, Hey, let's role play this. And he just gets stumped. And I was like, let me go. And he's like, that was 50 times better than what I say. I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, but the problem is, is, is when I'm in the sales call, I can't think like you just thought. I can't make up this word track that goes down some rabbit hole. He's like, I just freeze. Like I, I get to this point where I, run out of things to say. I don't know where to go next because what's happening is he's tensing up because he's getting an objection. And it's funny because we literally role played through this and I was like, bro, like just talk, 
Like, why'd yeah. you just, you just threw up your hands and was like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm like, what do you mean? Just ask me another question. Like I'm already thinking. So two steps ahead, like in chess, because even though it's a stressful conversation and I know that there's objections, I'm not letting that change how I'm, how I'm making decisions mm-hmm. and where I'm navigating the conversation. And I watch over and over and over again, sales guys get trapped in that sympathetic response. And then the customer sitting here going, I'm, I'm almost like a lion preying on a gazelle because I'm watching this like kind of weak decision-making and energetic elements in the nonverbals of this victim now get stuck. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a huge factor. And what happens a lot of times, and the reason that anxiety begins to overwhelm us is because we don't like it. And so we try to control it. And when we try to control it, it controls us. And that causes friction. And when there's that friction, there's no way you're going to be able to properly process the situation. The point is, is to become okay. That anxiety is there. It's fine. You're not going to get hurt. It's to understand that, hey, you're safe. And although this is an anxious and scary situation, you can still handle it. And this is the plan to do that. And that's where when you're at home, you practice that. So your brain can predict what to do when you're in those situations because the brain loves predictability. It does not like it if it doesn't know what to do. But it's not going to have a reaction if you have not trained it. And that's where a lot of people get confused is they think they're all of a sudden going to have this magic moment where it clicks and they sell this person that was just, you know, this big bull that just bulldozed them, right? No. A reaction will not be there if you have not trained it. And that's especially when it comes to emotions and, you know, being able to manage that situation. Love that. Love that. So what other like elements of what's going on in people's brains when they seem to run into this slump or they seem to run into this, I'm not motivated, I'm burnt out. Like what's going on maybe emotionally or, you know, I guess we're moving into emotion where I think a lot of times this emotion is driving our behavior. And, you know, I've managed a lot of sales guys and it's like, I'm sitting there watching these guys right now. I have a sales team and I'm like, why aren't you calling? Like, well, you're just sitting here dinking around when your income is directly correlated. I know you're broke, but yet you still can't seem to pick up the phone. You still can't seem to get out of the car and go knock. Like you still can't seem to go when your family's depending on it, your rent is due and you still can't seem to get yourself to do the shit that you know you should be doing. Why is that happening? It's a pattern. And I know as much as people don't like to think about it, but it is a pattern. And it's much less of an attitude than, than it is when you're trying to change this. It's not as much of a change of attitude. And I know that's a lot of times where we like to focus. Change your attitude, you know, get the motivation, try to get yourself to just pick up the phone, dial it, do it, you know, and this will make a difference. And if you do it enough times, you're all of a sudden going to get good at it. And I know a lot of times that that is, but... Honestly, that's where I started Neuromastery in the first place because it's much more than that. When you're trying to create resilience, it's a strategy. And the brain is much more systematic than we like to think that it is. And so these patterns could have been created from a long time before they arrived in your office. And so you're not dealing with a specific situation where they just can't get themselves out the door. You're dealing with a belief system that was created from most likely from the ages zero to seven. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say zero, ages zero to seven is because in those ages, our brain operates on brain waves. And in that age group, we operate on a theta 
wave state, which is where our brain is very moldable. It's only available, like it basically its only purpose is to react out of emotion and receive information and hold on to it. Yeah. Um, it's not processing thinking or rationally thinking that much. That's why we see that in kids. But that's where a lot of our behaviors and belief systems are created. And so when you're getting to that moment, you're, you're usually talking to an irrational emotion. And we try to teach logic to an irrational world. And sometimes all that emotion needs to, needs to have is to be seen and witnessed. And once it's seen and witnessed, it can process, get organized, and then it can all of a sudden do things that you never thought was even possible. I'm dealing with that with my six-year-old right now. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as parenting advice. For real though. Like I, I think like so often we look at like parenting and you're like trying to like logically think a six year old's gonna think through a solution and you're like, he just needs me to like say good job and rah rah him and be like, Yeah man, like I'm paying attention to you and he's just looking for attention. He's looking for, you know, validation. He's looking to feel important, like he's looking to feel good. He doesn't get all the logic that sometimes we like to throw at them because we've built 20, 30, 40 years of patterns Mm -hmm. and belief systems and it needs to be this way and controlling that now you're trying to control something that's just all emotion and you're like, well, good luck control meeting emotion. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I managed a few teams. Men and women too. No offense. Like not trying to be, but like the feminine tends to be a lot more emotional and not as logical and the masculine tends to be a lot more logical and so when you get in these arguments in a relationship it's the same thing you're like trying to be like dude like just <laughs> look at the facts like the calendar says i showed up i'm here blah 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 but i didn't feel like you were here it's like but i was here like you know it's, yeah. like, it's like we're talking feeling versus factual and you're not gonna win those battles like mm-hmm. and that's exactly how it is i remember i um I used to manage a few sales teams and when I was out there on the doors, you know, guys would go home, right? They would say, I'm burnt out. I'm done. You know, they would give you every excuse. I I had the impression that I needed to go home. There's better stuff waiting for me there. Um, You know, this just isn't the right thing for me. But a lot of times the reason that comes from, you know, as I've started to do neuromastery and I've gotten in depth with a lot of these people's belief systems, it usually comes down to a worthiness factor. Yep that they don't even feel worthy to show up, to be able to pick up that phone, to even if they did make that call, would it work? And, and so you try to speak logic to an illogical world because what they're telling you is the reason. What our brain wants to do is it wants to take little things and make them big things to avoid dealing with the real thing. And if you're not dealing with the real thing, you're going to have the same problem over and over and over again. So true. So it's like, what if you just said, can we cut through all the bullshit and like talk about do you like what's really going on, which is the worthiness thing, which is if you really broke it down, like a lot of emotional wheelhouses come down to not good enough or worthy. Um, another one is like they're, they feel like if they try, then they'll fail. So why try? So that's like a, a common one. It's like my pattern I believed for over and over and over again was I don't win when I try. So why try? Um, another one would be, if I, um, you know, the, the, the loneliness, like you said, it's like, if I do this, I'm going to end up by myself or I'm going to burn these bridges or nobody will like me. And so it's that not being liked or not looking good, right? Like the emotion of like, I don't want to look bad. Mm-hmm. And so they get judged by all their peers or their friends or family. And it's like uh, this inability to like 
and need to fit in and need to look good. Um, and if you were to say like, is it that you are playing the cool kid card? Like you think of kids in high school, it's like you're playing this tough kid card and like putting on this face when you're just trying to like, what are you posturing? Like, yeah, it's like, dude, we're 33 now. You can like put off the mask, bro. Like is your bank account, you're broke. Okay. Let's just like cut to the chase and we don't need a posture and cutting down to the roots. Like you were saying, saying like, what is this emotional wound that we need to process that that then will solve a lot of these behaviors and habits and identities. Yeah. And and sometimes it's just a simple reframe. Like, I mean, a lot of times, especially in the door to door world, um, one of the things I notice is we want to win. It's a very competitive environment where we pin each other against one another to see who's the best. Right. And, and obviously that helps, but it, a lot of the research shows that when you're really trying to create a productive environment, it's just a simple reframe. It's not a start and a finish line. When you start to see yourself as a start and a finish line and you see these events in your life as a start and a finish line, what happens is you start strong and you finish the soft. And even if you have an incredible August, you, you still see a stop time. And so naturally your brain wants to finish before that. Like they say this in running all the time. No matter how far you're going to run, you're going to be tired about five miles before. You, um, if I'm going to run five miles, it doesn't matter if I've run 15 every day before, I'll be tired at four. If I'm going to run 100 miles, I'm going to be tired at 80, right? Like it's just how our brain works and it's a natural part of it. And if, and if we're seeing winning as the end result, what happens is we do tie that to our worth. And instead of seeing it as this long-term game, yeah. it's like I'm in this forever because if you look at it that way, then all of a sudden it becomes a very different aspect. When you're looking at your summer or your life or this activity of exercise, it's like, if I miss a day, it's not going to be death to me because I know I'll be at it tomorrow and the next day and the next day forever to where one day doesn't make a big difference. But to somebody who never shows up, that one day is a big deal. And then you operate out of a place of need. And when you operate out of a place of need, you're always in a place of lack. Because anything that happens to you, I need this to work, okay? So then you, you almost put yourself at a deficit below whatever it is that you're trying to get to. But when you're operating out of a place of want, hey, I want to have a great summer. I'm going to do this for a really long time. Even if you're not going to do summer sales, I'm going to do sales for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter what industry you go into. You will be in sales. And part of that is this is a forever game for me. And so I'm just trying to stay in the game. You know, when I'm on a door, it's like, it's not a win if I get the deal. It's just, I'm just going to try to move this forward as long as I can. When they shut the door, I'll move. I'll move on. You know, or I'm just trying to move on this, take this relationship for as long as it's going to go. And, and I'm going to move it forward. And then if it doesn't work, great. And that place is a place of want to where you're very abundant. The world is your oyster. You can learn something from everywhere. And it's a very growth-oriented place. Love that. Love that. So let's move to the last one, which was you said spirit, which I think is a misunderstood, especially in like our religious background. Like spirit, in my opinion, is very different than religion, um, mm. which I think a lot of people have been trained the wrong way to say I'm cultivating spirit. Um, so talk to me like what when I say that, like what's the first thing that kind of comes to your mind? Like what what comes up? Um, so when I think of spirit, I think of energy. Um, and I believe in trying to get your energy to work for you rather than against you. That's what we preach in the program. 
And the way that you do that is understanding, you know, there's a lot of subconscious things that are going to weigh down your soul that you're not even going to recognize that are playing a role in every aspect of your life. You know, even the simple question of asking yourself who you are. You know, we can do an activity. You want to do an activity? Yeah, I'm in. I'm all about it. Okay, Sam. So, so who are you? I'm Sam. Okay, so if you were named a different name, do you cease to exist? No, I am, I am me. Yeah, I am. Exactly, yeah. Name is a label. That's a good play. I am. Yeah, so if I were to say, like, I am a son of God, or I am a father, or I am a husband, or I am a son, I am a, an entrepreneur, I am a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those are all different labels that I've created on me. But essentially, I am my soul and the composite yeah i'm like i'm a compilation of experiences my beliefs my uh how i see the world existing in this physical form Mm -hmm. so one of the ways that i define it is you are who sees and you are who hears Mm. and then what that does is it then removes you away from your emotions and your thoughts because you are not your emotions and you are not your thoughts. Those are very mutatable, moldable things. And so what that does is when you create that separation there, then all of a sudden it opens up an opportunity. Because when you see, when you have thoughts in your head, it's almost as if you're watching them and you're listening to them. And when you see them as objects, that's all they are. They're objects. They're parts. They're not this truth that you have to listen to. Neither are your emotions. Emotions are a very unreliable source of information. Like when you really look at where an emotion comes from, what it's doing, when you feel an emotion, your body's interpreting your present based on a past experience. And so basically, if you listen to your emotions, you're constantly living in the past, which can be a very unoperable place to to live from. And so when you look at yourself as just this being in the present who sees and who hears, You can pick what you see and what you hear. You can start to siphon out the stuff that you don't want and the stuff that you do. And you can say, this thought belongs to me. This thought does not. And then as you do that enough times, you have this part of your brain called the reticular activating system. And what that's going to do is it'll naturally filter out those things because it's going to say, okay, well, this this is what belongs to him. This is what doesn't. Because right now, your brain doesn't care what's best for you. It cares about familiar familiarity and emotional charge. So if you can change what's familiar to you, then all of a sudden your brain thinks different and you can start to see things as they are, which also brings you into the present moment to where you can fully experience every moment. Mm. Mm. Nugget. I got one personally. Um, so what, what can I do to practice kind of what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. I think this is a practice. It's like, I call it awareness in the sense of, are you even conscious of what you are seeing? And are you seeing the seer? And I like playing the exercise of, ooh, I see my seer and observing the person that's looking and observing the hearer and saying, I'm going to play the observer of what I'm hearing and what lens in which I'm hearing it from. Mm. Because like you just said, it's that what you're familiar with. It's what you're you're used to it's what you're like what you want to hear a lot of times we don't hear things that we don't want to hear and we've just like naturally by selective hearing we choose not to hear these things it's like well dude like it's if you were to take an observer and say 
you're hearing like you're, yeah. you're, you're not hearing this or you're not seeing this because you don't want to see it it's afraid to look at it it's like somebody looking in the mirror and be like yeah i'm healthy it's like no dude why are you <laughs> why are you like self-deception right now right it's like you've put on 15 pounds and like stop lying to yourself but you don't want to see that you don't want to hear it you nobody nobody feels good when you're like dude you're getting fat mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear that they're afraid of it because it might create an emotion they might not fit in they might not look as good they might you know what i mean so they avoid it mm-hmm. and then you're 100 pounds heavier and you're like Oh shit, I probably should have listened to the voice when he said you're 10 pounds heavier. Right. Well, and, and the huge thing with that is you would rather, you're naturally, you would rather get angry and be upset that the person said something rude to you than to ask yourself, well, well why did this affect me so much? Yeah. Because then that, that puts you in a place of growth, but it also, when you ask yourself that question, it really does. Okay, well, maybe I'm not doing those things. Like, I, I, I was meeting with a client today and she one of the things is she loves ice cream right loves ice cream and she goes one of the big things that is her that like just Achilles Hill is ice cream and she says the reason I love ice cream is because I deserve it after a long hard day and I ask her I go well why do you when you eat ice cream what do you deserve what does ice cream do to your body like what what does ice cream do to your body well causes inflammation, she says, and makes me fatter, you know, and doesn't, isn't healthy for me. And I go, well, then if you eat ice cream, what do you deserve? An unhealthy body. If you eat healthy, what do you deserve? Healthy body, right? And, and one plus one will always equal two, but a lot of times we like to blind ourselves to the fact that that's just not the case. Yeah, I worked hard, so I get to eat the ice cream. It's like, or aren't we trying to get our healthy body? Yeah. <laughs> what are we trying to get? And so when you're dealing with those emotions and you're starting to really, like you'd rather get mad at somebody and, and manifest the anger than just truly ask yourself, well, why is this affecting me? Why did that hurt so much? What, what point did it touch? You know, what, what yeah. did it tug on? Now that, then, then that causes different answers. I love that. <laughs> love that. Guys, if you're listening to this, you should be, one, rewinding and taking notes because like I said, we're getting into the deeper he said a lot of things that probably went over people's heads and that's great. You're just getting entry level stuff into the element of like understanding neuroscience, understanding your physiology. And what's fun is when you start to unpack stuff, which you can tell obviously Brock spent a lot of time studying and playing with and experimenting. I love the people that go and say, let me push my body to run a hundred miles. Let me push my body to, or let me push my mind to do X. Like even just starting a business, like there's an element of a challenge to that, which is, the easy route would be keep making your six figures selling pest control or whatever you're doing. And the challenge would be, ooh, let me go broke for two years and see if I can't start my own business. Like, <laughs> and everything is contradictory to that because it's like, I, you know, and um, so it, there's an element of I, I admire people that are willing to put themselves on a on a ledge and jump off and, 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 and be bold. And some people listening to this, maybe that's all they need to hear. Um, but the more and more you get curious about what's my composition, mind, body, spirit, and emotional wheelhouses, the more we can bring self-awareness and experience life from a place of consciousness, not a place of habit or a place of reaction or a place of drifting and floating. And I watch people, myself included, like I'm not perfect. Like, and and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm saying to anybody. It's 
when you go eat that bowl of ice cream or when you go binge on social media or when you stay in your car longer than you should or when you have a day you sleep in that you shouldn't and when you, you know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. check out and watch a binge show for five hours and wasted five hours of your life. Check in and be like, okay, was that what I was intending to do or did I just keep pressing next on the episode? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and did I just now ruin my day of sleep, which then affected my next day, which then affected my next day, right? Like huge. And we go about our lives sometimes going a week, a month, a year, unconsciously making damage or progressing even unconsciously, bring consciousness to that and say, wow, if I know how to play with these levers, how much more powerful, abundant, how much more impactful, how much more just badass can I become as a human existence contributor to society and leader if I were to take this serious? Yeah. Intentionality makes a huge difference. And just understanding why you're doing something. You know, one of the biggest, you know, social media is not necessarily a bad thing, right? But it's when it becomes like there's no goal in mind. Yeah. That's a big, one of the biggest predictors of that. When you're scrolling social media and you don't have a goal in mind, it means your dopamine's fried. And if you're looking at your dopamine, motivation's fried. And that means you need to move away and have a dopamine detox. Yes. But that's what that's basically what it is, is you start to set your intentions and actually what it is that you want, then anywhere that you go can become a productive environment because your brain knows what adjustments it needs to make. 100%. 100%. Well, we've got to wrap up. I always ask this question at the end. Guys, if you haven't subscribed to the DDD podcast, one, go subscribe. Go follow Mr. Brock and NeuroMastery um, on Instagram, on social. We'll put the links in the podcast. But Guys, if you've gotten some value to this, also there's probably people that need this. So share this with your team, share this with your manager, whatever. Um, But last question, if you could go back to your, you know, now you've been on this long journey, but imagine it was your first summer, your week two, three, you're new to this sales world. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you tell that guy? I've actually thought about this a lot. (laughs) You know, it's like I look like I might go in a couple weeks. I'm trying to schedule a date to where I just go sell for a day. Just because I was like, I just need to like, knowing what I know now, I'm curious if I'm worse or better. Like, you know, there's self. Yeah. It's like, um, anyway, but yeah, what advice would you give? Sharpen my sword every day. Don't just work. I, I remember I would get so frustrated because I know for a fact I outworked anybody that was in my path. I knocked more doors. I did more, but I didn't get the results. And I wanted to bang my head against the wall because everybody would come in and give me the trainings and they would tell me how great. And if I just knocked more doors, I would get more sales. And if I just sold more, but I did more of the wrong thing, go slow, get it right, practice it over and over and over again and practice what works. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't try to change it up. Practice what worked, get it right, get good at that. And then start to knock doors and produce and then volume will come. Yeah, it's why we preach door-to-door university. It's why it's like we actually have a tool to sharpen your saw. Like and I think too often people don't they undervalue that. They underestimate it. Like I had a kid the other day who was like, oh, I don't know if I can pay for that. I was like, huh, I don't know if I can pay I don't know if you can keep paying the price of sucking. Because yeah. it sounds like miserable when you're beating your head against a wall. You're working hard, bro, but you're not getting results. I was like, mm-hmm. how about you actually work good? And like put in the same effort, but actually be well-trained and like know how to do it right. And we put the best in class training together just so that people could do so. Like, and I think that 
people are afraid to invest in that. There's an ego there. There's this fear of looking wrong because I, I had to get trained. It's like, uh, okay, welcome. To, like, you know, that's like blows my mind. Oh, we don't need training or I've already got the best. I'm like, what? Like who, who in the right mind with a humble sense of actual consciousness is ever going to say, I don't need more training and I don't, there's not opportunity for growth. And I'm like, there's your first problem. So I love yeah. that answer. Love that answer. I don't care if you're selling a million dollars and making tons of money and or you're brand new. Like, I love that answer. So thanks for being on the show, my man. Thanks uh, for inviting me. This was good. Much love, guys. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace. Knockin', knockin', knockin'.